Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. Why don't we give Jesus a round of applause? How about that? Awesome. All right, well, uh, before you sit down, I want to just pray real quick. I know that we, you probably already prayed and stuff, or you live a life of prayer, and you're always talking to God. But, uh, but I really want to pray for you. I feel like God's putting something in my heart. Uh, go ahead and close your eyes, and let's just, let's just pray. Dear God, I thank you because I know that um, you brought us here to this place, and I just um, thank you for every person that dared to invite a friend that went out on the limb and faced rejection or possible shutdowns, and they simply said, come. I thank you because I know that they are uh, brave and people that love and care for someone else. And I just ask you that you value their efforts, that you uh, double their strengths, that if there's someone here, God, that has been praying for someone else that maybe is hurting or maybe somebody doesn't know you, and they've been truly praying for them and maybe shedding tears that they would know you, that they would not have a life without Christ and a life alone, even though surrounded with people. I ask you, God, that you would answer their prayers this week, that their friends, their families, their co-workers, that the people that they go to school with, Lord, would come to know your name, that you would use us as bridges of love, not of religion, not of a church, God, but of your incredible, majestic kindness, your love towards people. I thank you because today I know that your heart will be shared, um, and I just ask you, Lord, that you would remove any distraction, that you would move, remove uh, any self from, uh, from this message. We love you, Jesus. We are here for you. We want to tell you that we want to be more like you every single day because you are that amazing. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Good. Why don't you uh, give a round of applause one more time. And uh, we're going to turn all the lights on as much as possible. Give somebody a hug next to you. Tell them, let's do this. Yes. All right, cool, cool, cool. So um, all the moms and dads, if you're still here, um, go ahead and go to the other room next door. If you're a mom and a dad, there's a parenting class going on next door with Pastor Laura, Pastor Jorge, Pastor Eoni, and they are just sharing some bombs, man, some incredible wisdom on how to raise your children in the fear of God, uh, how to do it according to the gospel. And uh, kids, there's a movie going on. So there's like little kids are watching a movie right next door, and it's pretty amazing. I don't know if they're going to have popcorn, but there's definitely a party going on in there. So anyway, so um, no, you cannot go to the kids thing unless you really want to. All right, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. And today I want to share something that I just think it's really beautiful. Um, okay, so so Mark chapter, I mean uh, Luke chapter chapter five. You guys good? You guys okay? Yeah. All right, great, great. So I know um, I've been uh, really excited about about really sharing what I'm about to share with you because I think so many times I get this question asked as a pastor. You know, pastor, I feel far from Jesus. I want to get closer to Jesus. I want to get closer to Christ, or I feel like. Like, I have, like, my relationship with him is not as good as it should be. I want to get closer to him, or how do I get closer to God? Uh, if you're here today, maybe because you love somebody and somebody brought you, or maybe it really is because you want to grow closer to Christ. And uh, I was trying to give a name to tonight's message. I was talking to Whitney, and uh, we just came up with a very clever name. And uh, can we just show the name up there? Um, that's a pretty good name. 
Is it up there? That's a good name. Let's just call it message for now on. That's even better than the one we had. Uh, it's just closer to Christ. Like, how do you actually get closer to Christ? I know it's not clever. It doesn't have any, like, woo. But, but if you would just ask yourself, how do I today get closer to Christ than yesterday? How do I get closer to Jesus? Have you guys ever thought about that? Like, okay, I really want to be more like Christ, but how? how do, what's the answer? How do you actually get closer to Jesus Christ? Some people say read the Bible more. Some people would say come to church or, you know, all these things are wonderful. But how do you get closer to somebody else, by the way? Let's just say you like a guy here or you like a girl from this church. How do you get closer to that person? Spend time with them. That's a wonderful way. <laughs> Sit close to them. <laughs> very good, very, very good. Cool, cool, cool. All right, right? So you sit by them, yeah? You try to, you know, get as close to them as possible. Um, you know, they're worshiping there. You go up there, you worship right next to them. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. You're like, Ugh. you know, what, what do you do to get closer to somebody? Let me give you guys a really amazing secret. Over the years, we've developed this, uh, this secret on how to get closer to people. And it's not really a secret. It's actually quite normal. You start caring about what they care about. So you guys ever thought about that? Like if you really want to get closer to somebody, care about what that person cares about. I know sometimes we try to sound super interesting and we try to come across. Have you guys ever had a conversation like this? I remember one specific time. Um, there was this one girl I used to like in high school. And uh, sheesh. How do you guys know I wasn't Naomi? Because I didn't know her in high school. You guys are good. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so there was this girl. And, you know, and, it, I, and I remember coming out of that first conversation I had, just feeling like, like a cheese ball. You guys know, oh, man, I just, ah, oh, that was horrible. You know, like how that was just not a good conversation to have. Um, because it was all about me trying to sound interesting. I was trying to tell her the things I liked, things I did. And I just sounded like a, like a yeah, like a just dumb Anybody know what I'm talking about, girls? A guy ever try to talk to you and all they talk about is themselves and you lose complete interest? Yes? Don't you wish they would just simply ask questions? I'm just saying. Yes or no? Or, hey, tell me more about anything else other than myself, right? And sometimes we feel like the way to be cool and interesting is, is going after and, you know, really trying to come up with all the things that you're awesome at. And the truth is, is that with Christ is the exact same thing. We try to impress God in so many ways, but God is in the most impressive human being in the world, the human being Christ. But the Lord is the Lord, and he's the most impressive just anything ever. There is no higher word than the word God. You could say, I'm really good at soccer. Oh, I'm a genius at soccer. I'm the, I'm the goat at soccer, right? And then you could say, yeah, well, I'm a God at soccer. That just doesn't compare. Like that, That's over already, right? The highest word we have, the strongest word we have, no, it's not genie if you watch the Latin, is God, right? God is the highest form, the highest manifestation of power. And so let me ask you guys this, this question. How could you impress the most impressive being in the whole universe? You cannot impress God. You cannot outsmart God. You cannot out-goodness God. Like you cannot be so righteous that God would say, Wow! You are so righteous. I just like you so much more right now because you just impressed me with your righteousness. Right? There's no such thing. If you're trying to be impressive, it's, you know, it's like going up to a girl and talk to them about all the traveling you've done just because you went to TJ and she like, you know, her, and she came from a military family where she's seen the whole world already. You know what I mean? And it just doesn't work that way. 
with God. We feel like the more impressive we are, the more holy we are, the more beautiful the song we sing, uh, the more impressed God's going to be with us and more he's going to love us. And the closer we're going to be with God, if we could just manage to impress our daddy. And I got to tell you this, that just sounds like so wrong because it is. It's almost like we have daddy issues with the Lord and we cannot do that. So how do you impress God? How do you get closer to God? How do you actually grow closer to a God who is everywhere? How do you get closer to a God who is all-encompassing? Think about that for just a second. The Lord is here, there, everywhere. He'll be here today. He'll be here tomorrow. He was here yesterday. He is and all-encompassing is called omnipresent God, omniscient God, and all-powerful God. How do you impress and how do you get closer to someone who is already in you? How do you get closer to God? Anybody ever thought about that? How do I get closer to somebody who's all over the place? There's only one way that I find in the scripture on how to get closer to God. How do you get closer to God? Listen to this. When I read in the scripture, all the people that were around Jesus Christ, we find at least five categories. And I don't want to say that these are the only one, but these are the ones that we see throughout the Gospels. The first category of people, these are people that are the comers, people that come to Jesus. They came for miracles. They came for wonders, for signs, for food, for, for health reasons. They came to Jesus. And to me, that's a wonderful group of people to be in. It's better than the not-comers. It's better than the one that stayed home and didn't see a miracle. Didn't see Jesus for who he is. They missed them completely. Listen, you're here today. That already makes you a comer. And that's a wonderful thing. What I'm going to talk to you about are these five levels of depth into relationship with Jesus Christ. The first one is a comer. What does it take to be a comer? To just come. That's right. To be a comer, just you show up. And that's pretty much it. And you say, well, that's easy. It's easy for you. But so many people have such a hard time going. Just showing up. It's like, they, I remember very, very clearly, there was a stage around my, my beginning of my college years where I, how do I say this, um, was forced to go to something called chapel. Anybody know what chapel is? If you go to a Christian university, chapel is this thing that, yeah. What, what is chapel? Tell me a little bit about chapel, Joseph. You have to go to church. Like, how many times in Biola? 20 times. Like, in how long? Well, that's not that much, man. We used to have to go three times a week. So, three times a week. That's, not, that's actually very little, you heathen. I'm just kidding. I'm playing, I'm playing. Now I'm playing, I'm playing. So, at APU, I think it's like three times a week. And still doesn't do anything for so many people. You know what I mean? It's just like, but you, have, you literally have to go and punch in a card. And you'd be amazed how many, how many things we did to get around it. You know, it's just like we try to find every loophole to not go. Some people, they really want to go to church, but they have such a hard time just showing up. How many of you guys, don't raise your hand, but you missed cell group this week? Now don't raise your hand because I know all of you guys had a valid reason why you shouldn't go to cell group. But you have a hard time even being a comer. And that's, a, that's I'm going to tell you this, like God loves you so much, even when you miss. And to me, that's insane because for me, if I get stood up once, that's, uh, 
I'll forgive you twice. Ah, I'll forgive you again. Three times, I'm not even going to call you again. I'm just going to love you anyway, but I'm not going to call you to hang out. Fourth time, forget that. By then, I already hung out with somebody else. Fifth time, I don't even know your name anymore. <laughs> the Lord loves you so much. You stood him up for half of your life. And he still wants to hang out with you. Like, he still absolutely loves you. And to me, that's just impressive. He doesn't have a low self-esteem. He, he still desires you. And to me, that makes me want to go to him even more, doesn't it? Some people have a hard time just coming. First level of growing closer to Christ is simply showing up, coming. The second level is marked um, by following. So a comer is one thing and a follower is another. In Luke chapter 5, we're going to see a crowd of people, right? You're going to see a lot of people coming to Christ, but a few followed him. Many, many people in the scripture came to Christ. So many people. But we don't know the names, but a few hundred of them. So many people came to Christ, but we don't know the names, but maybe, maybe a few hundred of those. So many people got lost through the crowd. You know, there's a lot of people in my wedding album. Here's a, by the way, here's a tip. If you're going to get married, hopefully all of you get to do that one day. It's really fun. Um, choose your wedding pictures carefully. And choose the people you're going to invite to your wedding very carefully. Why do I say this? Because Eoni and I were looking at our wedding album. And from all her guests that she invited, there's probably like, by the way, we had a wedding of 250 people. It's insane. It was not designed that way. Just a lot of my family came from Mexico. And I was like, no. You know, it looked like the whole thing, like caravan, you know. But anyway, so, uh, so man, my whole family was here. And I was like, wow, you guys showed up. Yay. You know, 250-something uh, people in my wedding. And out of that, many people. We have very few people that are still part of that album. And then when he's like, man, I wish I would have known that person wasn't going to be in my life. I would have put him in my album. You know, let me tell you one crazy thing. So many people came to Christ, and just as they came, they went. Just as they went to the crusade, they're no longer crusaders. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just as they, they went to a church, they left it the same exact way. Probably even worse now because, well, it didn't work for me. And, you know, and then they have their arguments or somebody got, they got mad at somebody. It's hard to stay a comer. But the next level, it's a beautiful level. It's a follower. And a follower has something a little bit different. A follower desires to obey God. And listen, they're both loved at the same level. I just explained to you that no matter what, God loves you. And he cannot love you more. If he could love you more, he would be more God. But he can't. He's already the Lord. He's still, he, by the way, God is love. So the definition of love, whatever he does, is love already. And so we don't define love. He defines love by who he is. Just, just a thought out there. So whenever you think God's going to love you more, he cannot be more God. He already is fully God, whether you're a follower or a comer. If you just come because you want a miracle from God, it's called spiritual ATM-ish. You know, like you're, you're just really trying to use him as an ATM. And the Lord, it, it, it's really messed up, honestly. But the Lord still loves you. And he still desires to bless you. The Bible says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And I could just stop the sermon right there. And I think it would be plenty for you to say, hey, I actually want to know you more. But here's a cool thing. For those people that got to know God. For those people that actually don't just want something from him. They want to really grow, grow closer to him. You're going to have to learn to obey God. Some of you are learning to come to God. And that's a wonderful thing. My son... My five-year-old, my six-year-old knows to come to daddy whenever he needs something. 
If he hurts himself, he comes to dad, not to mom. To dad, I don't know why. Papa, mom tries to hug him, and he just like comes to me. I'm like <laughs> sucker. You know what I mean? She's over there giving parenting class. I should be the one. I'm just kidding. No, no, but anyway, but like he knows to come to dad because dad's gonna hug him. God's gonna kiss him. Mom also will do that. You know what I mean? He knows to come. But then now he's learning to obey. Now, have you learned the value of obedience to God, or are you still in the comer stage? Because an obedient, a person who's obedient is actually a follower of Jesus Christ. Somebody who's actually following him along the road. Like in Luke chapter 5 where we see this crowd come to him, press against them. They all came to Christ. But only Peter obeyed his commandments. His commandments were to get and let him use his boat. Hey, get over here. He said, let me use your boat. Peter said, that's fine. He gave him some instructions. Put away from the shore. And so he put away from the shore. Have you learned to obey the word of God? He said, yeah, I'm fully obedient. Whatever he tells me, I do. It's too bad you're not listening to anything he's telling you. It's easy to obey when there's nothing to obey. But are you actually wanting to obey God? Listen, you want to grow closer to God? Start obeying him. I mean it. Start obeying what he says. Like in what, pastor? Anything he tells you, obey it. Yeah, but I'm not religious. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about obedience to God. You don't have to be religious. Matter of fact, the most religious people, to me, are the most disrespectful people to the heart of God. They're just so religious. They're so bent on religion. They don't listen to the tune of the Spirit of God. Have you heard the Spirit of God tell you something? Maybe he's convicting you to, to leave certain sin aside. And when I mean sin, I mean whatever slaps you around at night or makes you feel embarrassed or you wouldn't want to share. Or maybe it's pride and God is telling you, stop it. Or maybe it's an exaggeration that you call exaggeration, but he calls it lie. And he's telling you, stop. Start following me. The first thing is coming. The second thing is following. Showing up and then obeying. If you're at the obedience stage right here, right now, I can tell you, you're about to see great blessings in your life. Showing up, there's miracles. Obeying, there's blessings. Big difference. People live by miracles. I don't want to live by miracles. I want to live in blessings. Pastor Johnny Tusset talked about how, some, how when people, the people of God exited you know, uh, Egypt, they went into the desert and they wanted to stay there because they saw miracles. Now, I don't want to live by miracles. I want to live in a blessing, a land of blessing, where miracle is a lifestyle. Somebody say amen. Right? Where you actually have a miracle lifestyle, where you look at your family and say, man, this is a miracle from God. You look at your finances. I'm not even playing. Listen. And you look at your finances and say, the Lord is too good. Amen. To where you look and you don't even see you as you were before. You're like, what in the world? You're now walking in blessing, not expecting another miracle. The way I see it is this. I've explained it many times. I'll explain it again. You're hungry. You're going down the road. An apple hits your head. Oh, what a miracle. I could eat. That's a miracle. But walking in blessing is the one whose house that apple tree is on. And you could just walk out anytime, grab any apple because you're in the blessing. Do you want a life that is fruit-filled where you say, hey, God, I get to be part of the miracle of somebody else's life because I am blessed. Amen. So first thing is coming. Second thing is what? Following. Third thing, and I love this thing because you see this played out in the scripture. You see the commerce. You see those that started following. And then you see the disciples of Jesus Christ. Discipleship is a whole nother level. Discipleship means your life is being put back into the order of God. That not only are you being obedient to God, but now your life is taking a shape. A shape according to the image of Christ. What do you care about most? Seriously. 
success, coming out of the hole. What do you care most about? Because a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you look at their life, you will know what they care about simply by the way they live. A disciple of Christ, their life is in order. Is your life in order? And I hate to sound like this. Normally I share with you a story and then another story which are a lot of awesome things. Today the story is you. It's your life. Is your life in order? If we were to sit down and say, what are the priorities of your life? And if you say work, you're messing up already. Because you can get fired and there goes your priorities. What are the priorities of your life? If you say school, that's a wonderful thing and your parents must be very proud of you. But even that is still pretty jacked up. Because when you graduate, what happens then? I know somebody who has three master's degrees and keeps going back to school because she cannot see herself outside of being a student. Oh, I'm going to be a lifelong learner. I say, that sounds cute, but there's YouTube, there's, <laughs> there's, there's audiobooks. You know, there's a way to be a learner, and you don't have to stay in school. I say, you're just afraid of the student loans, huh? You keep going to school, so you don't have to pay this. We have this joke we have. You know, it's like, no, I just want to keep learning. I say, look, there's a point here that life must at some point take off. Let me ask you a question. I'm not saying there's no, by the way, if you have the opportunity to go to school, man, get it done. What an important, what a wonderful thing to do. Um, we did, my wife and I did, we have our degree, and we, we want to keep going on our education. But the reason I say this is because a disciple's life is not prioritized according to what the world says, but according to what God says. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Listen, is your life in order? Is there an order to your life? If we look at your finances, are your finances in order? Or are your finances completely in disarray? Now, this sounds confronting to some people. Some of you guys are like, check, got it. Sorry, I hear a fan on the back. There. So is there, is there a, like a fan like, yeah, go, Pastor. I'm just kidding. Is your life in order? For example, is your emotional life in order? Or do you just get distra- You're like a roller coaster. One day you're like up here. You're doing great. You, you just came back from the Mount Zion of being with the Lord. And then the next day you're like El Chapo. You know, you're like underground. You're like on the tunnels. You're like, I'm out of here. You know what I mean? Like, are you this? Are, seriously, how, is, your life, if you're, is your life emotionally in order? Like, are you, are you able to say, hey, my, order, my emotions do not rule me, do not control me. My emotions are subject to the Lord. How about your thought process? You know, the way you think. Is it in order? What do you mean? Let's talk about abortion. No, let's not go there because it's going to get controversial. No, it shouldn't be. If they're in order, there should be no controversy. Look at the scriptures. There's no ambiguity in the word of God when it comes down to these things. I just heard a pin drop. Is your life in order? Democrat. It doesn't, there's no Democrat or Republican in the scripture. They say biblical or unbiblical. So is your life in order? The way you think. Do you think Democrat? Do you think Republican? Or do you think Biblical? Now, seriously, because by the way, I'm telling you this. The word was here before any party, and it will be here after any party. The word is the, the, word is the pre and the after party. You know what I mean? Like the word will be around all the time. So the question is, is your life in order? The way you see women, men, is it in order? What are you talking about, Pastor? Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm more of a feminist. But then is it in order? Is your life in order? Is your mind in order? The way you see the women in this church, the way you see the women at work, do you see them in, in an orderly fashion? When you speak, is it congruent of being a child of God, a disciple of Jesus Christ? Or do you speak like a son of the devil and then the next day as a son of God? Is your life in order? 
Because the first thing is coming to church, and you may be a great comer. Praise God for that. The Lord loves you. You may start being obedient to God, and some come Christians get there, and they feel like they're getting closer to God. But in reality, God's already super close. What they're doing is not getting closer to God. They're getting closer to being Christ-like. Christ-likeness doesn't begin with reading the Bible. Some people cannot read, and they're very Christ-like. And some people read a whole lot, and they're the furthest thing from Christ. You see, it's not about reading the Word of God. It's about coming, obeying, life in order. The way you see women, let me go back to the point. Do you see them as sisters in Christ? Until the Lord speaks to you and says, that'll be your wife. Or do you go around looking at everyone as the wife? Is your life in order? Is the way you think in order? Is your tithe in order? What's tithe? 7%? Not 10%. Let's not talk about that. Let's go back to abortion, Pastor. Am I making sense? Is your life in order? Is your life in order? God wants to bless you, but he cannot live outside of order. He, I'm telling you, the Lord, the Bible says that God is a God of order. And when there's order in your life, in that area where you have ordered, the Lord can move freely. My mom one time, she was rebuking me. She was, you know, moms, moms are really good at guilt tripping. And uh, there's just a skill they develop. They're being taught right now as we speak. Uh, and so, I'm just kidding. So my mom, you know, I remember I had the craziest, messiest room. And it was always my brother's fault, you know. And so, uh, and so I remember one time my mom came and, said, came and said, how do you guys even pray in this room? And I, and I was being a smart Alec, you know, like smart Alan. You know, like, like, you know, and I said, on our knees, mom, the rodillas. Don't say that to a Mexican mom. You know, so my mom went on. For like a two-hour sermon, it felt like two hours, just like going on and on and on and on. But what I remember of these two hours was simply this. If the Holy Spirit was to come through these doors, he would turn right back around and walk out. Because in this mess, he could not be comfortable. And I was just like. <laughs> Honestly, you know what I thought? I said, well, I'll just meet him in the living room. <laughs> So stupid. I didn't say it out loud, but I thought it. And it was just not smart. I didn't say anything because he would have hit me with a chunk. What I'm simply telling you is this. If there's an area of your life where there's no order, don't ask God to bless it. Don't ask God to bless a relationship that's out of order. Don't ask God to bless finances. Or, oh, God bless my finances. So what? So you could give more money to the devil. You know what I mean? Like, by the way, when I say that, I know it sounds like shocking. But it's the truth many times. Many, many times. God blesses you financially. I know this one guy. Every time he'd get blessed, he'd go get Chinese massages. And they're not because they're Chinese. It could have been Russian massages. The problem was what that led him down the road to. So with the moment he would get blessed, he would go get a massage. And I was like, well, there's nothing wrong with a massage, I guess. But for you, there's everything wrong with a massage. See, because what I'm going to tell you next may shock you. But the blessing had turned into a curse. He didn't know how to manage finances. Instead of blessing someone, instead of increasing the kingdom of God or the blessings towards his family or even his own future, what he was doing, he was getting physical pleasure without going and crossing the line. And it was just a matter of time until in his life that crossed the line. And if I could tell you this, he's not even at church now. And he walked out. He ended up sleeping with a prostitute and another prostitute. And instead of Chinese massages, he then started spending his money in prostitutes. That was blessing money. That was money that belonged to those that he loved 
unto the Lord. What do I say this to you? Is your finance life in order? Can he bless it? Can he trust you to say, I'm going to give you this so you can bless someone? Or are you going to keep it and just buy the latest thing? By the way, if the Lord is prompting you to buy the latest thing and he wants to give it to you, let the Lord do that. And he may just do that. He loves you. But are you able to listen to God? Are you able to put your life in order? Let me give you one more thing. Is your life in order according to the call of God in your life? Meaning, are you actually doing things because the Lord has called you to do it or because you're good at it? Just because you're good at something, it doesn't mean that the Lord called you for that specific thing at that specific time. Does that make sense? For example, why did you go to school or why are you going to school? I pray that it is not just because your parents would take your allowance off if you don't go to school. You know what I mean? Or because, I don't know, because then what would I else would I do? Go to school with a conviction. Go on a mission. If you're there, it's because God has you there. Amen. Because when you're there, you're to be light and salt on this earth. Not only that, because what you get out of it will give God some glory. Understand why you do things. Put your life in order. If you have a friendship, is that friendship in order? Or is it completely out of order? Because sometimes friendships in our life destroy instead of builders. The Bible says that a good friend is closer than a brother. I know that to be the truth. I have good friends and I have had horrible friends whose advice might as well come from a serpent's mouth. Listen, are your friendships in order? Are your friendships truly in order or do they just bring you down? Do they just bring horrible, the most terrible advice that you think it's funny, but it's actually not funny. It's vile. And it's painful and it's destructive. Are your friendships in order? Are your family relationships in order? My sister and I used to hate each other. And that word hate, it's pretty fitting. We could not see one another. We couldn't touch each other. The bed, if I touch her bed, it would be a fight. It's crazy. I don't even want to talk about what we did. But it was horrible stuff because we couldn't, help, we couldn't, we couldn't talk to each other. So she went to encounter, and then I went to encounter. Now, honestly, I love my sister to death. And I know, listen, God has done something beautiful. There's order in that relationship. Is there order in your relationship with your parents? Oh, you don't know my mom. You don't, you don't know my mom. I don't. You're right. But is your relationship in order? Is your life in order? One guy came to me the other day. It was crazy. It was so, so amazing to me. Blaming this other one guy for being such an idiot. And I, all I was thinking was like, man, slow down for a second. Slow down. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to catch up from the first thing you do. I'm trying to wrap my brain around everything you're telling me. And then I realized this one thing. He didn't have his emotions. His emotions had him. And I was like, hold on a second. You're captive. You're speaking because your emotions have you wrapped around. Is your emotional life, you know, is your tongue, are you in order as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Now, there's another level. I'm going to get to that one. What's after disciple, by the way? Now you're a disciple of Jesus. You're, now your life is starting to be in order. Order of who, by the way? It's not order of CFF. It's not order according to the church. It's order according to the word of God. Now, if you think, I remember one guy said, man, well, what gives you, what gives you the right to tell people what to do? I said, I don't give, nothing gives me the right, number one, to tell people what to do. What I am doing is one simple thing. I said, I read the word of God, as should you. And the guy's just like, because he came from a Christian background, you know. And he was like, well, why, why do you tell people? Because you're not telling people. <laughs> oh, but what about, why, why you? I said, well, why not you? 
And then I came down to it. And I, we got real, real serious. Because you have no authority to speak. Because you're high half of your life. Let me ask you this question seriously. Are you establishing your life according to the scripture or according to a religion? According to a church? According to your mama? According to grandma? I'm Catholic. Before being Catholic, read the word of God. I'm Christian. Before being Christian, read the word of God. I'm Seventh-day Adventist. I don't care. Read the word of God. See what the word of God says. What does the word of God say about who you're supposed to be? You'll find that if you try truly to obey this, you will arrive at a very amazing place. And so many amazing people will be there waiting for you. I'm telling you, according to the word of God. Amen? You have a lot. It'll be a lot easier. A lot easier to disciple someone who's actually living according to the word. Next level. And I don't have much time. Actually, two minutes and 54 seconds. So the next level is a leader. They say, isn't that a disciple? Wrong. A disciple is someone whose life is being organized according to the order of God. The next stage is being a leader. A leader of leaders. A lot of believers don't even want this. Because they think being a leader is telling people what to do. When in truth, being a leader is serving people. Christ didn't come to be served. Christ came to serve. Christ is and was the greatest leader of all time. Did you know Hitler was an amazing leader? Hold on a second. Pastor, did you really just say that? Yes. That man has so much influence in a generation. He managed to obliterate, destroy, kill, devastate millions of lives through his leadership. Now, it was evil leadership. But you cannot tell me the man didn't influence many other people. Are you using your leadership to influence People for the, right, for the right things, to grow closer to Christ. Did you know all of you in here, all of us in here, have been called to lead? Every one of you here have been called to be the head, not the tail. To be an influence, to be the hammer, not the nail. To be the thermostat, not the thermometer. You're not just measuring how bad the, the person is. No, you're a thermostat. You come and you set the temperature. If their lives are cold in the Lord, if they're falling away from God, great news. Because the thermostat, which is you, just arrived. If they were cold, walking away from God, praise God you're next to them because they will catch on fire. That is the difference between a comer, a follower, a disciple, and a leader. A leader leads. A leader sets the tone. A leader is a trendsetter. A leader forms other leaders. A leader doesn't just want to be followed. A leader wants them, listen to this, to be better than themselves. That's what a leader is. A leader is not someone who says, come and follow me. No, a leader says, come and follow me to him. Then you'll be better off. Come and follow me as I follow Christ. A leader is able to point all his life towards the one who deserves it. And that is Jesus Christ. Before you being a disciple of this church, you ought to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, that immediately sets you in a very high standard. And that is of a leader of leaders. Can I tell you the G12 vision, this vision that this church does, is not a vision of disciples. You got it wrong and I got it wrong for like 10 years. It's a vision of leaders of leaders. If you're focused on being a disciple, you're getting stuck already. If you're focused on being a disciple, you think the goal is being a follower and being a good, obedient, life order follower 
Yet Christ called you to do greater things than the ones that he did while he was on this earth. Word by word, that's exactly what he said. He said that you shall do greater things than those that I did while on this earth. That's leader talk. That's him saying, Felix, you're going to do greater things in this life than those that I did on this earth. More than Jesus? More than Jesus. Like a Chinese Jesus. <laughs> Imagine that. That God would use you, that God would use me with people. Listen to this. I'm not even playing. Listen for just a second. Christ couldn't reach certain people. But what if you could? What if God gave you a certain background, a certain way, a certain flavor, a certain you, that you would do greater things than the ones that he did while he was on this earth? Why? Because you got communication. Because you got a phone. Because Christ had to walk hundreds, if not thousands of miles. While you, with one simple click, instead of watching pornography, hello, you can be reaching somebody for the, man, for the love of God. That you have certain ways, it's called the communication era. That you can reach thousands and millions of people. The other day just blew my mind how this YouTuber got so famous of doing some dumb things. I was like... Wait a minute. You're telling me that this guy has how many million followers out of doing that? And I was like, okay. And I, I'm not playing. I was like, greater things you will do than those that he, that he did while he was on this earth. Why am I telling you guys this? Because one thing is to be a comer of church or to be just a comer with Christ. I go to you, Jesus, when I need you. Another thing is to be a follower. I start obeying. Another thing is to have your life being put back in order according to the scriptures. And then another thing is to become a leader of leaders. Now you're getting closer to being Christ-like. But then the next thing is being an apostle. You're saying, hold on a second, Pastor. You lost me right there. Yeah, an apostle is what Jesus had. He had his disciples and then he called them apostles. What is an apostle? Apostle is somebody who would go and begin the work of God in a specific place and would not just form good people. He wouldn't just form leader of leaders. He would form a movement. These men and women would go around sent by God to start fires of the Holy Spirit in different places. Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Did you know that if you're a cell leader, if you are someone who carries the ark of God. That sounds like code for some of you right now. It sounds like Indiana Jones church version. But if you actually carry the heart of God and the presence of God, the moment you decide to say, hey, God, use me, not just to form nice versions of people, but, man, to bring your presence in different places, you just became a modern-day apostle. Now, I'm not going to call you apostle because you, you, you're crazy if you think I'm going to call you apostle. <laughs> apostle. And Latinos love doing that stuff. I don't know why. We're dumb like that sometimes, man. We really are. Oh, profeta. And we're like, dog. You were cousin yesterday. I don't make, you're not a prophet, dude. Yes or no? Somebody just got too real for right Apostle. Never, never. Not in this church, right? You guys could do it in other churches, not here. All right. So apostleship, though, is much more than just starting churches. Or I'm an apostle because I tell you, you know, how God's going to use you. And how you're going to start a work in Africa and then in Australia. See, apostles, before they traveled, they first spent time with Christ, caught his heart, and shared it with other nations and other places. An apostle is this, somebody who actually goes and begins fires, starts fires all over the place. A cell leader, a, a leader of leaders, not just a leader of leaders, a multiplier of the heart of God. Listen, today, 
if you are in any of these five categories, there's one more category, last one, and then I promise you that's the last one. And that is an agent of change. The Bible talks about the disciples getting killed, not because they were quiet, not because they were leaders, but because they were those that turned the world upside down. That's what the Bible says, that these people, the religious people hated these people because they were turning their world upside down. An agent of change is far more than a leader. It's more than even an apostle. It's somebody who has managed to influence different areas of society with such power, such anointing, such godliness that politics begin to change. That music begins to change. That, listen, the laws of our land begin to be influenced by an agent of change. The problem is we want to be agents of change without ever being followers of Jesus. What change? The same flow that the government's going, the same flow that the media, the same thing that everything else is going. Unless you are actually a disciple of Christ, don't talk to me about being an agent of change. Because if you do manage by some incredible force of the universe to get up there, all you're going to do is be an agent of the same flow that the world is going to. Whether you have money or not, you're not a disciple of Christ. You don't have his heart. You don't have his apostleship. So when you get there, you're just another one of those guys. So the process is beautiful. God wants to change the world through you. Listen, I don't need to scream it. And I'm telling you this. If you believe it, God will plant a seed in you today. Your gifts, your talents, your pain, your scars will be used to change this nation. Whoever receives the seed, I promise you, if you defend it, if you water it, if you pray into it, the Lord will use you mightily. But, but... Don't think that getting there is the goal. Getting there as a disciple of Christ who has also learned to be an apostle of Christ. When you get to that place, man, the Lord will use you mightily. Instead of the enemy or society or the government or some politician. I have seen some incredible agents of change. Among those, there's great athletes. There's amazing singers. There's incredible politicians. Some really good ones. But then there's so many that look the same. They have a Christian title. But when you look at their lives, they're not disciples of Jesus Christ. So why is this church here? Why am I telling you this tonight? Why did I choose to talk about this topic instead of an amazing story that's awesome deep and makes you go, mm. See, because in this church, we don't need more, mm, We need, mm. <laughs> We need to be able to say, Lord, I want to get closer to you. I want to be more like you. I want to care about what you care about. The process is simple. Show up. But don't stay a show-upper. Don't just be a comer. Start following God. Start obeying God. Start being obedient to Him. Not only that, man, start letting your life be formed and transformed according to His Word. How will you know? It's called a devotional life. It's called cell group. It's called Bible studies, man. And I don't mean Bible study like let's get together and study the Bible. I'm talking like study your Bible. How many books have you read? Now, I don't want to sound like confronting because some of us hate reading or some of you guys hate reading. Beautiful thing there's called audiobooks. Ah, and you could tell somebody I read it. In reality, you heard it, but it's just as good. The same things are written. Listen, there's so many ways to continue to grow. So many ways to develop yourself. But how are you going to be an apostle? How are you going to get to a leader level? If you're acting like you're a comer all your life. Get out of being a comer at some point. At some point, stop being a comer. At some point, you got to stop. At some point, being just a follower. Get to be a disciple of Christ. And after you get a discipleship, after you get enough discipleship, start envisioning yourself as a leader of leaders. Amen. Amen. Amen.
the way, the way I explain it, I hope it was super clear. I want to pray for something. For any one of you that say, I don't want to be in one level all my life. I want to keep climbing. I want to become an agent of change. That when people see me, they see the Lord, wherever area I'm on. You know what? I've realized one thing. That sometimes we think agents of change only exist. Please listen to what I'm about to say. It may be the most important thing that I have to say tonight. I know many things were came and, and came out of here and even Luke chapter 15, but please listen. Eoni and I have been praying a lot for the education of the children in this nation. You know, they're trying to teach children about masturbation. He's six years old. My son is five. They're trying to, he, all the things I've been reading, it's insane. It's disgusting. A five-year-old being taught how to actually get off. And being taught that it's a positive thing and it's a good thing. He's five. Why in the world? What possesses someone to teach a five-year-old? What if I go up to your son or your daughter or your nephew and I start talking to your child about touching himself and having a, an ejaculation? It's hard to even say it in church. Why is it difficult to hear? And why should we expect our education system to be different? This, all these things thrown into this law. I've been reading a lot. I'm about to have a, a few different meetings. And I've been interpreting in government. And so I know that there's so many things that lawmakers do. They pass this law and they throw a bunch of things inside of that one. It's called bill. And it's, they try to tack a bunch of things with one good thing and make it look like it's one thing. And they just throw in a bunch of garbage around it. It's the way they all do it. It's called politics. But listen to this. What if there was agents of change in our education system? What if there was agents of change in politics? What if there was an agent of change in Senate? What if there was an agent of change at the council level? What if the mayors? What if, well, let me ask you seriously. What if there was agents of change? Let me ask you a question. Why can't we park in the alley next to us? It's empty. Our women, our kids, all of us, many times, many of you here have gotten tickets Many of you cannot park in that street. Let me ask you guys why. Because we failed to go to a council meeting. Did you know that? Some guy got really mad at us, one neighbor, and started getting signatures. Some people signed. They didn't even have a clue because this guy presented in a certain way. So you have to park five blocks down the road when there's all these parking spots open. Because there was no agent of change in our council members. Simply said, all right. Forget that church. It's grown too much. They have no idea the influence it's having on the young people around here. They have no idea what blessing it is. They have no idea how many divorces have stopped, how much drug addiction has stopped, how much drinking. Just in this room, I can tell you the blessings that God has brought to society. Let's not even talk spiritually. But none of these care because there's no agents of change. What if I said to you that music could be influenced, man, by an agent of change in this room? That filmmaking can be influenced by an agent of change. I'm not saying everything has to say Jesus and Christ every single movie. What I am telling you, what if there's an agent of change there? And said, not every movie has to be this raunchy. What if this movie can teach something amazing? A message of Christ without people knowing it. By the time they know it, they're already like giving their life to Jesus. Am I making sense? What if there was an agent of change in our police department? What if there's an agent of change every single place? And that is you. And so what I pray is that God uses this place as a launching pad for so many incredible people here. 
Eoni and I are praying hard. We want to do our very best to train you guys to become not just churchgoers. We don't care about growing a church. We want to grow the kingdom of God. This church will grow, and it's growing no matter what. We're looking into selling and buying a bigger... We, I'm telling you guys, we're already praying for so many different options. But we can't just grow in numbers. You have to grow in life. Your life must blow up. You have to be bigger than wherever you are right now because the Lord wants to use you greatly. Amen? Let's pray and let's close our eyes. Dear God, I thank you so much because I know that you, Christ, came to this world to seek and to save that which was lost. And Lord, I ask you now, I beg you, please, that you remove the lid that has been up on so many girls and guys' lives here. So many people here have had a lid. I pray for vision, for dreams to come alive again. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that someone here right now receives passion, a sweet, a beautiful spiritual obsession to change this nation for you, Lord. That their families will never be the same again. God, that we would change the way family is seen by society today. That many people don't even want to get married because of how disappointed they are at the 70%, 65% divorce rate. But the agents of change that are here, Lord, would be able to say, no, that's not how disciples of Jesus do it. Let me show you how. Because we're leaders of leaders. We're apostles. We're people that are sent by God to do something greater other than to go to church, stop cussing, and pretending to be good. Dear God, I pray right now that every man and every woman here would be changed by you, transformed, conformed to your image, to your likeness. That every man that is here, God, that they would take on the call of God over their lives truly and seriously. That they know, that they know, that they know that they've been called by God. Not by a church, not by a pastor, but by the one who called us all. That is you. I pray now, Lord, that the women that have been struggling in some area, or the men in their emotions. God, I pray right now that you remove right here the chains. Those that bind are bound by chains, God. That they can see you work in their lives. That they become obedient to you, Lord. Subject to your word. Lord God, I thank you because I know that this ministry is headed in such a beautiful direction. But God, we pray right now that as we go there, that thousands and, thousands and millions of people would be influenced. God, put something in my heart right now. There's one of you here that's been dreaming, dreaming of entering politics. And the Lord says, go. I'll go with you. It won't be an easy road. You'll suffer. You'll hurt. You may even bleed. Your heart will bleed. But I can tell you this. You are needed in that place. Some of you here want to go into medicine. And the Lord says, it'll be hard. You'll have to work twice as hard as you're working now. But I need you there. I need you there. Some of you educators. Some of you here are business owners. You're entrepreneurs. And the Lord says, I need you there. A man of value. A woman of values. Someone who's using the resources of the world not the resources using them and destroying them god i pray right now lord that right here right now some people will begin to dream again great things incredible things in their lives in larger territories in larger stakes someone here is just an employee and you feel like you're just an employee and the lord says to you you will have your own business your company you're there to learn you're not there to get paid you're learned to get paid in different dividends 
in wisdom, in intelligence, in people skills, develop, grow. I pray God right now that instead of just comers, we'd be disciples and leaders of leaders and apostles, God, and agents of change. I thank you, Jesus, because the more we become like you, the more, God, the closer we get to you, to your heart, and to your purpose on this earth, and that is to see your glory on this place. In your name we pray. We thank you. Amen and amen. Give God a round of applause. Amen.